His name is Malcolm Myatt. And at the age of 68, he spent 19 weeks in the hospital after losing feeling on the entire left side of his body. He was told by doctors that he had a stroke that had hit the frontal lobe of his brain, which controls all of his emotions. He had had a number of things in his life change since his stroke, including his short-term memory. And the one thing that stands out above everything else, good and bad, is that he completely lost the ability to be sad anymore. Malcolm said this, I am never depressed. And being sad, well, it just wouldn't help anyway. I would definitely rather be happy all the time than the other way around. He said it's an advantage, really. And his wife was told by the doctors, hey, you need to prepare for the worst. And she says it has actually been quite the opposite. Malcolm has continued to progress in his recovery, although slowly. But now he says that each and every morning he wakes up and he is thankful. His wife said that he acts more childlike in his view of life, and it is infectious. And when he starts laughing, everyone in the room does. If he is in hysterics, everyone else is in hysterics too. He livens up every room he is in, she says. Everyone's just happier when Malcolm is around. He is just a man filled with joy that starts his day with thank you. So let me ask you a question. Well, what do you think is being said about you in this season? When you enter a room, do you, do you change it for the better? Does the atmosphere get heavy or is it light when you're around? Would people say when they see you, you lift their day and fill it with joy? I've been thinking about my life and I think for all of us, we might just need a little Malcolm in us. I've been around those people that with just their mere presence, things just seem to be better because they're around. Well, we used to have a lady that worked for us on our staff and she moved away recently. Her name was Joy Espinoza. I told her when we were saying goodbye to her and many other times as I saw her in the hallways or at church, I'd say, Joy, you match your name all the time. And she did. She was just Joy. And it was totally independent of her circumstances, of what was going on around her. You know what? I miss that. And I miss her. There are a few things I'm not going to miss as we come out of this COVID season, and a few words or phrases I hope to never use again, because they have been so overused. See if you might agree with me. Social distancing. Uh, the word unprecedented. Or that phrase, uncertain times. And the last one I see on commercials everywhere, we are all in this together. Good words, good phrases. I just don't need to hear them for a while. How about you? But one thing I do think we need more of, and you'll probably agree, that in spite of or independent of or separate from our circumstances, we just frankly need more joy. Joy. And if you want to enjoy your life, then you have to have some joy in your life. We come to this little book called Philippians, and we start this new series entitled Thrive. We see the writer Paul in these few pages, pages use the word joy or rejoicing 19 times, which is really crazy to think about because he was writing this letter when he was just sitting in a prison. But he wrote about joy, and he wrote about contentment, and he wrote about peace. But we look at that word joy, and in the Greek word, it is a word called chara, and chara is related to the Greek word for grace, which is charis. 
In other words, joy in the Bible is not something that we have to muster up by looking at our circumstances or by struggling to look at the brighter side of life or telling ourselves, man, we should be filled with joy. No, instead, joy is a gift. It is a gift that is given to us because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And the power and the ability to have joy actually resides in and over everything because of the indwelling Spirit of God that has been given to everyone who chooses to believe. Let me repeat that. It has been given to everyone that believes on the name of Jesus Christ because Christ in you is joy, which means this. What's going on around you is never a match for what is going on in you through Jesus Christ. And that really is the source of Paul's joy. And for him, it didn't matter what was going on around him. It didn't matter what was happening to him. What was most evident and evident to all was this gift of joy through Jesus Christ, working in and through his life. So let me just tell you, Paul was sitting in a prison cell. His life might be coming to an end, all because he was a communicator of the good news of Christ. He's about 60 years old, and as he pins this letter, it's been about 30 years since his dramatic conversion from killing Christians now to leading everyone he could to follow Jesus Christ. And this 60-year-old man, with the scars of life evident all over his body, as he looks out his prison cell, waiting to find his fate at the hands of the Roman Emperor Nero. Paul has been beaten, we are told, in Scripture with rods on three occasions. He's received 39 lashes five different times. His back was literally a spider web of scars, and we're told that he had been left for dead. Deserted by his friends and his co-workers, he endured the storms of the great seas, he was shipwrecked, he was abandoned, he was nearly starved to death, and if that wasn't enough, at this moment he was carrying all the weight of all the churches he had planted, and his members who actually were bickering, false preachers who were rising up, Envy and pride were leading some of his leaders more than their love for Jesus. And this 60-year-old man from a dark, dingy, dreary prison cell pins these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Just let that sink in. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. This letter holds not a single word of complaint. There's not an ounce of fear that is detected. There's no shaking his fist at God and saying, how could you? I can't believe you. If only you would have God. No, none of that. But instead he calls out to God, not based on his overwhelming feelings, I'm sure at the time, not because of his undeniably difficult circumstances. No, he calls to God from a place that is just deeply grounded securely placed and rooted in his confidence that God not only exists, but that God is in control and that God is loving and he is good, although everything around him, frankly, isn't. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. But I don't believe those words were penned just because he had surrendered his heart to Jesus. I don't think he penned those words just because his heart had been changed and charged with power by the Spirit of God. No, I think it started sooner. And I think it was a matter of his mind. Think about it this way. John Corson says this, you can't change your heart, but you can change your mind. See, God can change your heart, but he won't change your mind. Therefore, 
If I choose to change the way I think about a given situation, God will begin to change my heart to follow suit. The writer of Proverbs said it this way in chapter 23, verse 7, As a man thinks, so is he. And maybe that's why Paul writes later in his letter in Philippians 4, verse 8, Hey, everybody, listen up. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about such things. See, what you believe should affect what you think. And then God will begin to help you live accordingly as he changes your heart. It's been said, and, and I think it's really true, that attitude affects your altitude. Think about it. Even though Paul was in prison, he could choose to rejoice and tell us to do so as well, for he was a man who was focused on Jesus. He was a man who was thinking clearly and seeing through the lens of eternity. I love how one translation puts this verse. Celebrate joyfully in the Lord all the time. I'll say it again. Celebrate. Not only do I believe that joy comes from the power of God within us, I believe that celebration is something that needs to happen among us. You see, in Paul's world, in Ephesus or Philippi or in Corinth, they would have great festivals. There would be games and shows to celebrate their gods and their cities as well as celebrate their king, Caesar. And Paul comes to his people, these new followers of Jesus, and he says, hey, why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we celebrate our king, Jesus? You see, our celebration encourages and strengthens our loyalties and our obedience to Him. And so he says, celebrate, rejoice. This last weekend, I was invited to a home where they had already started their watch parties that we are starting this weekend. So they invited Madi and me to join them. So we went over to a house, we watched the service together, we sang, we prayed, we ate some good food, but we celebrated the goodness of God. And I just want to tell you, his church was alive and well. And to be honest, it filled my soul and my heart as we celebrated together. It's been great to watch it with my family, but let me tell you, to come together with God's people and to hear them sing and watch them pray and just to have fun and laugh and eat together and give thanks to God in celebration, man, it was awesome. And in these anxious times, we all understand that the ancient world was full of people just like you and me. They were anxious. And Paul says one way to combat all the anxiousness in our lives, well, it's to celebrate the goodness of God in our lives with God's people. Can I just encourage you, if you want to thrive in this season, you're going to need to focus your mind and your heart on celebrating the goodness of God in the next few weeks. And to be honest, some of you are spending way too much time filling your mind with the negative news all day long. And you're becoming critical of everything and really everyone. How do I know? because I hear about it, and, and, and I know, because we're just human beings. Here's a chart that Ed Stester, a pastor, um, put out about what pastors and churches are going through right now as we seek to try and bring everybody back together. And uh, you know, everybody's all over the mat. So see where you are on this chart of fun. Here, I'm gonna start at the very top, and it says this, you can't open the church building yet. It's a huge health risk. You are wrong if you do. Maybe you fall into the that camp. The second one is this. It's all a big hoax. I mean, it's a conspiracy, a media frenzy. And then read this article. Look at this link. Don't be afraid. Maybe this is you. My wife, my husband, my dad, my grandparent, uncle, sister, brother, niece just passed away. 
from COVID-19. And it's real to you. Maybe this one. Here are the 25 things you need to do if you want to meet in your building again. That's what we're dealing with. Another one, my family is going to stay home for a while before we come back. Sorry, we can't be there. One person, not sure how many people might think this, but don't ever open that building again. Home is so much better. That's for all the introverts. And then the last one, we need to open the church building. I need to be there and see everyone. What are you waiting for? So let me ask you, what circle are you in? I've watched anxiousness replace some of your joyfulness. And you're not enjoying this season at all. And I get it, I really do. It's hard, I'm over it. Yet as we're gonna walk through this letter, we're gonna see that Paul is telling his reader that if you wanna be a person who thrives in this life with Christ, then joy must be at the center of your life. See, Jesus' joy was contagious, and that's the same joy that's in us. See, all around, people were coming and attracted to him. There was something about Jesus that people flocked to him, they listened to him, they just wanted to be around him. And I think as followers of Jesus, one thing that should distinguish us is our joy. It's not a relationship of misery. It's not a relationship of wondering. It's not one that is built on shifting foundations. It's not a relationship based on feelings, but it is a deeply rooted confidence in the God of the universe that is good and loving and in control when all things in your life might seem out of your control. See, Paul held firm to these beliefs and it was the great stabilizer of his soul. And I just believe it can be yours too. Belief always precedes your behavior. So let me ask you, what is your behavior saying right now about your belief in your God and your trust in Him? And some of you just keep saying, hey, can we just get out of this mess we're in? And God might just be asking us, how are you loving me more in this mess? We want to get out of it. And God wants to give us something in it. I think he wants to give us a greater understanding of who he is and who we're not. But you might miss it because you're becoming a critic. And maybe you're not carrying the love of Jesus that the world so desperately needs, your family so desperately needs, and you so desperately need. You want to get out, and God wants you to get something out of it. And Paul says from prison, rejoice. Do you remember his occupation? You see, he was a traveling minister who was now in prison and couldn't preach anymore. He couldn't travel and plant churches like he was doing because he was confined to a cell. Can you imagine if he would have just sat in jail and said, well, I guess God can't use me here. Well, I guess God is done with me now. He really didn't mean it when he said, I'm going to build my church, did he? And remember, that church is you. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Look at me, I'm stuck in this prison cell. What can I do here? And I guess since I'm confined, I can't go preach to the people in the church building or the synagogues. I guess I'm useless as a pastor. And I guess the work of God, well, it's just dead. What if that was his attitude? How could you, God? Why are you doing this, God? Can you imagine? He would have just sat and complained instead of getting up right where he was and start communicating the love and grace of Jesus to those that were around him, right where God had him for that season of time. See, I just believe God's purposes are being worked out through your problems. He just needs you to get on board with Him. He needs you to pursue Him and rejoice in Him, not in everything that's going around on around you. God is sovereign, 
That just means he's in control. And if that is not the anchor of your soul, you will be tossed about during this storm and miss out on all he has for you right where you are today. God is waiting for you and he is waiting on you. But he's not waiting on everything to get back to normal so you can be comfortable and secure. He's actually working right now and he's simply just saying, hey, rejoice in me and join me in what I'm doing in you and through you. And everybody, you know this, that choice is yours. Choice is mine. And I'm so glad Paul said yes to God and not to his circumstances. Because we are sitting and standing here today, being encouraged by his letter, and others came to know Jesus because he was faithful right where he was. Here's how he put it in the first chapter of Philippians verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Think about it. Maybe, just maybe, God is using this season in our church in ways you can't understand or see right now. Is it uncomfortable? Yeah, a little bit. Are we sacrificing by not being together? You bet we are. Do we want things to get back to normal so we can all be comfortable and secure in what we know church to be? Yeah, that would be great. But maybe, just maybe, the gospel is being advanced further and faster than it was when we were all together. See, I think your attitude will affect our altitude. And we together can see God do something like never before. That is what I believe. Today, some of you live like joy is dependent on your circumstances. So the world goes, so you go. And Paul just says, listen up, everybody. It doesn't have to be that way. Joy is independent of your circumstances, yet totally dependent on your connection with God. I don't know that most of us will ever experience life like Malcolm, the man I read about who, who knows no sadness and really doesn't experience any emotional pain anymore until heaven. But because of the Spirit of God in us, we have access to more joy than many times we choose. So what do we do? What do you do? Well, I just want to start with this. I'd love for you this week to write down five things that you're thankful for each and every morning when you get up, and avoid the things that steal your joy. Kyle said it last week. He starts his day by writing five things down that he is thankful for. He does one thing every day. He writes five things down. What are you thankful for? And maybe just be like Malcolm and start your day by saying, God, I thank you. God, I love you for this, this. I love you for my family. I love you for all that you have given me, whatever it might be. It can't hurt, can it? So start your day by writing five things that you're thankful for. The second thing is as you continue, you need to connect with God personally and you need to celebrate with his people. I understand you, you, you have a choice and you're gonna either be bitter that we're not all together in these next few weeks or you can be together and actually be better. For the next few weeks, it might be different than you want, but all of this is a choice that we make. 
We have these watch parties that are starting this weekend, and I'm telling you, they're awesome, but you're going to get out what you put into it. And if you're not in a group, you can just go to our website and and they will help you connect with a group of people. And as we take these next steps and as we get close to coming back together and opening up, this is gonna be an awesome opportunity. I've done it, I've experienced it, and I just wanna invite you into it. But don't miss time to connect with God and to connect with his people. So thank you as you start your day. Connect with God, connect with people. And the third thing is this, you got a choice. So I just say choose joy. It is truly a gift, so just receive it and live it. God, I choose joy today. I choose to rejoice in you all day. I'm going to say it again and again as many times as I need to hear it. I choose joy. I remember when my father was alive. He had a key to our house, and there was always little work he liked to do, so he'd piddle around, and and all of a sudden, I would hear whistling. And he would just open the door and come in. It'd be in the middle of the morning and, and, and we'd start hearing whistling. I'm like, oh, my dad is here. He whistled all the time. And you know what? I think it was just part of his behavior because it came from his belief that God was in control, that God loved him, that God was with him. And he just chose every day to whistle because there was something good going on in his heart. That could be you. Here's what Paul says. Whatever happens, everyone, I want you to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I'm going to know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. What's going on around you is never a match for what is going on in you through Jesus Christ. If you want to thrive this summer, then make it a summer like no other. And I would love to hear stories because I'm not with all of you, but I want to hear about you. And I want them to be stories of joy and celebration and people coming to know Christ. And when I sit back, I know that the gospel is going further, faster because of you, his church, friends church. But to do that, you have to set your mind on things above got to be joy-filled right where you are because you are an ambassador of the Most High God. So I just ask you, would you be the joy of Jesus that the world needs to see in you and through you? Because you never know how your faithfulness right now will advance the gospel like never before. Can you imagine what God could do if every one of you chose joy to be the thing that sets you apart? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for Paul. Thank you from a a dingy, dark, dreary prison cell. He challenges us that in the circumstance we're in, right where we are right now, we can choose to rejoice in you. So may we do that. May this week, God, may we start tomorrow. May each of us just get up and and the first thing we do as we write five things down that we're thankful for. We just stop and we say, thank you, God. God, may as we go along, may we, we, we spend time with you, but may we also um, take a next step and join a, a group or, or, or make sure our group's getting together for a watch party, whatever it might be, God, that we do need to be in community and we're excited about the church and the next steps we have to represent you. And God, we thank you that we have choices. 
that you've given us free will, and I pray that we would choose joy. It is a gift, so we receive that gift right now. May your joy permeate our lives. God, may the stories we hear and the lives that are changed, may it spread the gospel further and faster. And then when we come back together, God, it's just a giant celebration of your goodness and grace to Friends Church. So thank you for this church. Thank you, really, God, for this season. As difficult as it has been, we come to you and we just give you thanks that you are with us, you are for us, and God, your kingdom is moving forward. We love you, we praise you, and we rejoice. Always again, I say rejoice. Amen.